Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one certain page of Talmud every day. Or is certain the wrong word? Does having faith require us to have certainty? Or is it deeper and more complicated than that? Today's page of Talmud, Yevamot 101, eases us into this theological discussion with an interesting conundrum. It begins with a question. What happens if a young man confronts two priests, one of whom is his father, striking both of them? Now, the son who strikes his father is obviously liable to receive capital punishment, as the Torah tells us. But the sages raise an interesting point. Have a listen. The sages taught, if he struck this uncertain father and then struck that one, or if he cursed this one and then cursed that one, or if he cursed both of them simultaneously or struck both of them simultaneously, in all these cases, he is liable to receive capital punishment as one of them is certainly his father. Rabbi Yehuda says, although if he struck or cursed both of them simultaneously, he is liable. If he struck or cursed them one after the other, he is exempt. The Gemara asks, but isn't it taught in a Baraita that Rabbi Yehuda says he is exempt even if he struck or cursed them simultaneously? The Gemara answers, these are the opinions of Tutanaim, and they each express their opinion in accordance with that of Rabbi Yehuda. Why? The Gemara asks, what is the reasoning of the one who exempts the son from punishment? Rabbi Hanina said, blessing is stated below with regard to cursing parents, and blessing is stated above with regard to cursing God. The sages used the word blessing as a euphemism for cursing, as it was their custom to avoid uncouth language. Just as the statement above in the book of Exodus is referring to a curse that does not involve partnership as God is one, so too the statement below in the book of Leviticus is referring exclusively to a curse of a parent that does not involve partnership, i.e. when there is no doubt with regard to his identity. And striking is juxtaposed with cursing, just as one is not liable for cursing when it is unclear who his father is, the same applies to striking. It's a complex and a little bit confusing meditation on doubt and certainty. But is there ever a state of no doubt for us mortals? And should we even strive to achieve a state of no doubtedness? The late, great Rabbi Jonathan Sachs grappled with this question in one of his talks about the weekly Parsha. He was talking about Parashat Emor, in which God gives to Moses the laws pertaining to the priests and instructs him what to do in case of blasphemy. Here is Rabbi Sachs' brilliant take, which he titled, Radical Uncertainty. You could hear it and more of his wisdom on RabbiSachs.org, and we are blessed every day by his memory. Have a listen. Emo, radical uncertainty. There's something very strange about the festival of Sukkot, of which our Parsha is the primary source. On the one hand, it's the festival supremely associated with joy. It's the only festival in our Parsha that mentions rejoicing. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. In the Torah as a whole, joy is mentioned not at all in relation to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, or Pesach, once in connection with Shavuot and three times in connection with Sukkot. Hence its name, Zman Simchatenu, the festival of our joy. 
Yet what it recalls is one of the more negative elements of the wilderness years. You shall live in Booth seven days. All the citizens in Israel shall live in Sukkot so that future generations may know that I made the Israelites live in Booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. For 40 years, the Israelites lived without permanent homes, often on the move. They were in the wilderness, in no man's land, where it's hard to know what to expect and what dangers lie in wait along the way. To be sure, the people lived under divine protection, but they could never be sure in advance whether it would be forthcoming and what form this protection might take. It was a prolonged period of insecurity. How then are we to understand the fact that Sukkot, of all festivals, is called Zman Simchatenu, the festival of our joy? It would have made sense to call Pesach, freedom's birthday, the festival of joy. It would have made sense to call Shavuot, the day of the revelation at Sinai, the festival of joy. But why give that title? To a festival that commemorates 40 years of exposure to the heat, cold, wind and rain. Remembering that... Why should we feel joy? Besides which, what was the miracle? Pesach and Shavuot recall miracles, but travelling through the wilderness with only temporary homes was neither miraculous nor unique. That's what people who have to travel through the wilderness do. They must. They're on a journey. They can only have a temporary dwelling. In this respect, there was nothing special about the Israelites' experience. It was this consideration that led Rabbi Eliezer to suggest that the sukkah represents anane kavod, clouds of glory, that accompanied the Israelites during those years, sheltering them from heat and cold, protecting them from their enemies and guiding them on the way. Now, this is a beautiful and imaginative solution to the problem. It identifies a miracle and explains why a festival should be dedicated to remember it. And that's why Rashi and Ramban Take it as the plain sense of the verse. But it is difficult nonetheless. A sukkah looks nothing like the clouds of glory. It would be hard to imagine anything less like the clouds of glory. The connection between a sukkah and clouds of glory comes not from the Torah, but from the book of Isaiah, where it refers not to something in the past, but in the future. This is what it says. Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble it a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. It will be a sukkah for shade from heat by day and a shelter and hiding place from the storm and the rain. Rabbi Akiva dissents from Rabbi Eliezer's view and says that the sukkah is what it says it is, sukkot, sukkah mamash, a hut, a booth, a temporary dwelling. So what, according to Rabbi Akiva, was the miracle? There's no way of knowing, but we can guess. If a sukkah represents the clouds of glory, the view of Rabbi Eliezer, then it celebrates God's miracle. If it represents nothing other than a sukkah itself, Rabbi Akiva's view, then it celebrates the human miracle of which Jeremiah spoke when he said, Thus said the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me in the wilderness through a land not sown. The Israelites may have complained and rebelled, but they followed God. 
they kept going. Like Abraham and Sarah, they were prepared to journey into the unknown. If we follow Rabbi Akiva, we can infer a deep truth about faith itself. Faith is not certainty. Faith is the courage to live with uncertainty. Almost every phase of the Exodus was fraught with difficulties, real or imagined. That's what makes the terror so powerful. It does not pretend that life is any easier than it is. The road is not straight and the journey is long. Unexpected things happen. Crises suddenly appear. It becomes important to embed in people's memory the knowledge that we can handle the unknown. God is with us, giving us the courage we need. Each Sukkot, is, it is as if God were reminding us, don't think you need solid walls to make you feel safe. I led your ancestors through the desert so that they would never forget the journey they had to make and the obstacles they had to overcome to get to this land. He said, I made the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. In those booths, fragile and open to the elements, the Israelites learned the courage to live with uncertainty. Other nations told stories that celebrated their strength. They built palaces and castles as expressions of invincibility. The Jewish people was different. They carried with them a story about the uncertainties and hazards of history. They spoke of their ancestors' journey through the wilderness without homes, houses, protection against the elements. It's a story of spiritual strength, not military strength. Sukkot is a testament to the Jewish people's survival. Even if it loses its land and is cast again into the wilderness, it will lose neither heart nor hope. It will remember that it spent its early years as a nation living in a sukkah, a temporary dwelling exposed to the elements. It will know that in the wilderness, no encampment is permanent. It will keep traveling until once again it reaches the promised land, Israel, home. It is no accident that the Jewish people is the only one to have survived 2,000 years of exile and dispersion, its identity intact and energy unabated. It is the only people who can live in a shack with leaves as a roof and yet feel surrounded by clouds of glory. It is the only people who can live in a temporary dwelling and yet rejoice. Economist John Kay and former governor of the Bank of England, Mervyn King, have just published a book called Radical Uncertainty. In it, they make the distinction between risk, which is calculable, and uncertainty, which is not. They argue that people have relied too much on calculations of probability while neglecting the fact that danger may appear from a completely unexpected source. The sudden appearance of the coronavirus, just as their book appeared, proved their point. People knew there was a possibility of a pandemic, but nobody knew what it would be like, where it would come from, how rapidly it would spread, and what toll it would take. More important than calculation of probabilities, they say, is understanding the situation, answering the question, what is going on? This, they say, is never answered by statistics or predictions, but rather by narrative, telling a story. That's exactly what Sukkot is about. It's a story about uncertainty. It tells us that we can know everything else, but we will never know what tomorrow will bring. Time is a journey across a wilderness.
On Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we pray to be written into the Book of Life. On Sukkot, we rejoice because we believe we have received a positive answer to our prayer. But as we turn to face the coming year, we acknowledge at the outset that life is fragile, vulnerable in a dozen different ways. We do not know what our health will be, what our career or livelihood will be, or what will happen to society and to the world. We cannot escape exposure to risk. That is what life is. The Sukkah symbolizes living with unpredictability. Sukkot is the festival of radical uncertainty, but it places it within the framework of a narrative exactly as Kay and King suggests. It tells us that though we journey through the wilderness, we as a people will reach our destination. If we see life through the eyes of faith, we will know We are surrounded by clouds of glory. Amid uncertainty, we will find ourselves able to rejoice. We need no castles for protection or palaces for glory. A humble sukkah will do, for when we sit within it, we sit beneath what the Zohar calls Tzila de Mehemnuta, the shade of faith. I believe that the experience of leaving the protection of a house and entering the exposure of the sukkah is a way of taming our fear of the unknown. It says we have been here before. We are all travelers on a journey. The divine presence is with us. We need not be afraid. That is a source of the resilience we need in our interconnected, hazardous, radically uncertain world. Shabbat Shalom. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon.